0: Hi, I'm Ambika Gotham pai I'm a writer and the chief strategy officer of an ad agency called Mechanism. I'm a mom of two little babies and the sort of person who just cannot stop thinking. You are listening to Corner Office Breakdowns, a podcast that reconciles humanity and the workplace. Here we dive into conversations that usually happen in whispered tones or behind closed doors and bring them to the center. Contemplating and breaking down the way leading and living have historically been done and rebuilding them together. Corner Office Breakdown sits at the intersection of business and leadership, equity and emotion, parenthood, womanhood, personhood, and as crazy as it sounds, the meaning of life. All of the guests you will hear from are people who have fundamentally changed my outlook. They may shift yours too. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you like this podcast, I hope you love it, I hope you share it, and I hope you subscribe. Ever since I had my babies, I have been so absorbed in the experience of becoming a mother. Um, I have been caught up in the whirlwind of hormones and emotions and struggles and policy and unfairness and it has really been a period of a lot of um, both self-reflection and sort of societal reflection and it's only now... um, When my second kid, he just turned 10 months today, um, a few days before this episode is going to air, but it's just now that I'm realizing how much my partner has gone through as well. He took care of me for the last four years through miscarriages, difficult pregnancies, Difficult deliveries, difficult postpartum, um, a lot of mental health challenges. And I never thought to take care of him. And there's a reason for that. The immediacy of the caretaking I needed took precedence over everything. But now there are moments when I look at my husband and... can see the marks of everything he has also gone through on his face, in his eyes. I mean, he was a COVID parent too. He is a very, very loving, deeply caring, extremely present, very involved working dad. And Through a lot of conversations, one of the things I have realized is that the same way mothers right now are just a a completely new generation of mothers having a truly unprecedented experience of working and leading and supporting families and doing all the things for all the people, this generation of fathers is. Also, unprecedented. This generation of fathers is learning to truly split the load and share the load. This generation of fathers wants to rush home from work to be with their children. This generation of fathers wants parental leave. And I can't help but feel that just this generation of fathers is underserved too. Um, Our generation of human beings, we are traversing completely uncharted waters. And the most important thing we can do is recognize that for ourselves, that we don't necessarily have the models and the examples to look to to inform how we are living and also have the simultaneous vulnerability and audacity to be open about that. And that is exactly what Brian Lattimore has done in this conversation um, in episode five. He is a father a husband, a serial entrepreneur, an investor, and creator. He is a DJ of his toddler's favorite music. Um, He is a chauffeur, shuffling them from playdates to school. And he is really focused on helping build moments, teams, and organizations that create an impact in the world. He is the founder of Win, which is a modern private equity firm that helps leading talent build wealth. And he's also the co founder of Marble Learning, a design agency that partners with organizational leaders to design personalized leadership, learning, and well being programs for themselves and their people. Brian's pronouns are he, him, and he identifies as a black man. And him and I go way, way back and you will get a little glimpse into our friendship and our story together in this episode. But more importantly, you'll get a look into the mind of one of those deeply loving, deeply caring fathers and the experience they may be having as parents. Brian Lattimore, we were just saying how we are meeting, like, fully on the other side at this moment from where we were when we met.
1: Children. (laughs) All the things. Like, Like, all the things. Who would have thought I would have been able to be married, have a kid, lose myself? Maybe Mm -hmm. I'm finding myself
0: now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I feel like you found yourself when you were, like, ten. I feel like that's part of what I have always seen in you. Wow. It's like a sense of a deep sense
1: of self. Mm. Yeah. I uh, thank you for saying that. It's very kind, insightful of you. I think (laughs) I've I've had a strong sense of self. I think I think you sort of have to continue. I felt like I needed to continue to rediscover myself Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. as uh, as I've grown. Yeah. And so I think it's uh this stage of life that that I'm in, that we're in, and mm-hmm. that we're constantly navigating, uh, has led me to a lot of um, uncertainty because you don't yeah. know the answer. Yes. Um, and some of it is not all strategy. It's like some of this yes. you gotta feel your way through. It's spiritual. Yeah. Um. So anyway, but I mean, I don't know. Like, who who are you? Am I allowed to ask you questions? I gotta ask you questions because you're ambika. So, i mean like i mean how are oh like, my gosh how are you finding this moment in time where we are right now it's like
0: oh lord what a question i am finding this to be a moment of inquisitiveness is that a uh, word uh. we both have had kids in the last few years champion your son he ident- like you're identifying him as your son correct
1: Yes, I'm identifying okay. him as a son. And until he tells me something different. Yes. The kid okay. loves Barbies and dump trucks. Yes. Everything.
0: My, That's exactly how my daughter is. Her One of her favorite toys is this absolute, it's actually very, it's terrifying. It's this dinosaur truck that like runs around and it has a remote that like tries to bite you. And she loves it. She like runs around like screaming in glee. And then she's like. <laughs> mom, paint my nails. I'm a mom. This is my daughter, guacamole. Like she, she's very multifaceted.
1: Daughter Um, guacamole? Yeah, that's
0: her daughter's name. It's a dog cabbage patch kid, whatever. However you imagine that is probably as close (laughs) as you can get to it. But yeah, like we've both been through immense change and immense transitions in the last few years. We met in like 2016 and worked together as strategists. Yeah. And you were always one of my absolute favorite people to work with. And every time I was like, oh man, I feel so grateful to have Brian on this project with me. And so we met in a very professionally oriented moment in our lives. I feel where Mm -hmm. we were both like taking our careers really seriously. And, Again, now we're meeting on the other side. Like, yeah. so much has changed in, in our external lives just as much as I think in our internal lives. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I felt like you were the only person to have this conversation with, truly, around like fatherhood, working fatherhood, almost the void of communication about the transition into fatherhood, mm-hmm is because I knew we would be able to look at it both from a deeply emotional place, but also from like a culturally analytical place and really work to unpack some of what fathers, young fathers particularly, just because that's what we know best, mm-hmm. are experiencing these days. And it's it's such a meaningful topic to me because I have found so much emotional support in other mothers you know, mm. even though we we moved to Chicago when Ajna was like 14 months old, mm. I had another baby here. I mostly work from my home office, mm-hmm. a- a.k.a. my bedroom, as you can see yes. in the background. Lovely. Um, <laughs> very intimate. Um, But I moved to Chicago not knowing anybody. Mm. The intention of moving was to actually be closer to our parents who are in Ohio, which is where we're both from. Are we part of Ohio? I'm from Cleveland. Woot, woot. Um <laughs> and he's from Toledo. Great. Okay. So I'm like uh Toledo, but I've learned to love it. But yeah, like I came here with no friends. I had a baby. I got pregnant again. You know, I had no real way of of meeting people, but I did just through Ajna's school through like random Facebook groups where I was like, does anyone have a recommendation for XYZ? And quickly found myself with a few like amazing relationships where right after I had a Han, for instance, I was like, oh shit, I don't have my breastfeeding pillow. It's in my parents' basement in Ohio, but my parents just moved. So they have no idea where it is. And somebody was just like, oh, I'll come drop mine off. And she like, put a bottle of champagne in there and just what you know I felt good felt very held Mm. in the experience and then on the flip side I'm looking at my husband who is navigating the change alongside with me although not Mm. in the the physical sort of bodily way Mm -hmm. and seeing that he's really kind of going at it alone Mm. Mm. and I just wanted to like have a moment of respect and appreciation, and inquiry and understanding <laughs> for the dads. Yeah, it is like it is a tender, tender, precious but difficult time. And mm. I just I want to hear more from the dads.
1: Wow, Amaka, that is very it's not just insightful. It's it's a powerful thing to hear because I think we're in a moment mm-hmm. where people you know, let's sort of remove gender. Yes. <laughs> um, individuals want to be and need to be seen. And I think what I'm excited about in this conversation, um, one is just to be reconnecting with mm-hmm. Ambika because Ambaka <laughs> is so lit and amazing. And I've learned so much from you um, and been inspired by your writing ever since I met you. I think in our text messages, I was like, Ambaka, like this, all of this seems, um, I couldn't have imagined your path to this but um, but so glad you're here. and I think the what's beautiful about this is that I think we need space for to talk about fatherhood, not in relation or in comparison to the mothers. Yes. and it's really hard to do because a lot of sure your husband's experience, my experience mm-hmm. is in support and partnership yes. um, in love for our partners. And so it's hard to imagine or even think about all that we're doing separate from them. However, we are living our own lives. We are having our own challenges and struggles and need support because we're thinking, feeling humans. And so Mm -hmm. thank you for creating space to talk about it. I I told all the dads that I know, I'm like, I'm about to be on this podcast. (laughs) I'm about to talk about fatherhood. And so. Well, it's so
0: cool, right? Because, again, we have identified so much with our professional personas our entire careers and and you are a very accomplished individual and your career path is also fascinating which I'm sure will be peppered in the story because all these things actually work together Mm. but I think talking about fatherhood is is so different from any conversation that we have in in these like semi-professional capacities and what we really need to figure out is like how do these multiple sides of ourselves coexist together first of all because i cannot i could never ever 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 now separate the fact that i'm a mother of two children from anything nor can i separate the fact that i'm a strategist from anything these two things exist deep within me mm-hmm. and it's been so interesting to like see motherhood through the lens of a strategist and see strategy through the lens of like somebody raising the next generation and thinking about the future of humanity and society. And I just know there is going to be so much in your brain that I can help extract.
1: (laughs) I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm, uh, excited for the conversation, excited to, to learn. I'm excited to see what I'm going to say.
0: Yeah, that's the best part of these things. As you, you look back and you're like, oh, I feel that way. Fascinating. OK, so let's just start off by talking about <laughs> like, you know, when you're you're in a professional interview and they're like, tell me your story. Mm. Let's just start with your story. But this is not a professional interview. This is about who you are as a person. So tell me your story through
1: that lens. Let me start with that I uh, am a, actually, my story, I think, starts with, I've I've been sort of doing this meditation around transgenerational healing, this journey around celebrating where I come from, Mm -hmm. and so a lot of times, life doesn't really start with you as you sort of identify and understand as a parent. So life starts with your family and where you come from. Mm -hmm. And so I won't go down the family tree, but I will start with my mom. So my mom is a phenomenal, Mm -hmm. multi-hyphenate woman who Mm -hmm. is a musician, educator, worked in the Red Cross, worked in the medical field, radiation technology and chemotherapy, so caring for people in sort of really important moments. My dad, military... Marine Corps, Mm. 20-plus years, educator now in -hmm. public schools, um, fun-loving, classic dude, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. biological father, Mm -hmm. uh, minister Mm -hmm. uh, in Georgia, Athens, Georgia, so deeply spiritual community sort of leader. Yeah, And so me, I, in the midst of, you know, my biological parents didn't stick together, but we, you know, part of my childhood, I grew up in Japan, this you know. Uh, so loving culture, loving everything from food to fashion to language. Moved to the Midwest. Is, uh, oh, by the way, my, my dad's from Ohio. So Ohio. Oh, there you go. And yeah, Midwest, Kansas City, Wisconsin. We met in New York City.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: and And all of these travels, I think, have sort of added to my love for not just people, but the cultures that they come from being inside different people's homes. You start to appreciate the different types of food that people create. You start to appreciate family and how people Mm -hmm. conceive of what family looks like. And over these travels, I've built friendships across a a range of, of cultures. We just went, um, Amy and I went to a gay wedding last Mm -hmm. week Mm -hmm. and saw this powerful, love bond uh, that came together and it was magical. And what I thought about was just how diverse set of friends and communities that I've been honored enough to be a part of. And and mm-hmm. so that's, I think, me as someone who loves people, who loves music, like my mom, loves mm-hmm. education, like both my parents, who loves travel, loves community and loves family.
0: And you started your story just with your humanity, your human experience, your connections. <laughs> And not your career. I love that. I I still struggle to answer anything about who, like who is Ambika outside of her career? And I'm like, don't fucking ask me that. I have no idea. <laughs> like, I don't want to go there right now. <laughs> That's like a looking back when I'm 80 years old and be like, okay, now I have a sense. And then map that then to your professional path, because you've done some really, really interesting work, that I think also serves as a backdrop to how to interpret your words.
1: Yeah. So professionally I thought I was going to be a journalist. Uh, I got on camera, saw journalism, which is going to be just hardcore. Um, yeah. And just a lot of respect for people who do that work. I was lucky enough to get my first gig in advertising in New York City. Mm-hmm. I went because of New York City. I had no clue what advertising was going to be about. I had no, yeah. no experience. I became a strategist. So I started mm-hmm. out as a, an account executive. The account executive life was like beta tapes. Yeah. Sending to the network. It was watching. I I, I was probably horrible at the job too. Um, <laughs> but but being a strategist was amazing because when I got to work with people who were older than me, the people who, so I'm thinking about like Eric Bruno, Kelly yes. Cortizo Burgess, these oh, people yeah. were like, felt like they had lived life. hmm and I was like if i could learn from people who are living life i'm living life as a 20 yeah. something in new york city that would be powerful work and be a great foundation for uh, and it wasn't thoughtful this way mm. but i just thought i was impressed and excited by them um and in hindsight that could be a powerful way to interpret and just do work and business and so yes. from advertising and strategy where you're mm. you know Everyone, I'm sure, sort of knows this, but for folks who don't, like you, spend a lot of time trying to understand people. Yeah. Um. And so, in writing and thinking and talking about people and creativity, and so, what I also saw was that creative people, and I think of in my mind, I don't know how you would identify or when when you're 80, how you identify Ambika, but I, I think of you as an artist. So there's an art to what you do, and I just know that as creatives, artists, not all of us own the IP that we put out into the world.
0: Oh, yes. We own very little of it.
1: Right? And so I thought it important for me to go to business school to just understand. So I'm like, let me put on this costume of a suit Mm -hmm. and try to understand what is this world of business about? Mm -hmm. I went to business school in Philadelphia, went to Wharton, and I didn't know anything about business. Mm -hmm. Sorry. (laughs) But I... (laughs) but i learned uh, a lot about how humans sort of how collaboration happens how mm. like things get built yeah. so early days i saw people who had an idea and those companies now are billion dollar companies mm. so it was amazing to see and also start to build a network yeah i learned about business at mckinsey and company mm-hmm. that was like hardcore yes like the military yes hey dad <laughs> but instead of protecting the world or you know, whatever, I was focused on decks and yes. Excel models. Yes. That was great. I quit as soon as I could mm-hmm. to become a husband. Mm-hmm. I met Amy. Amy, mm-hmm. uh, we met early days in my 20s when I was running the streets <laughs> in New York City. It was not time for us to get together. <laughs> yes. Uh, but after business school, I met McKinsey. It Was It was time. Yeah. We got together. I quit McKinsey and went on the road. She was a soloist for Cirque du Soleil. And so I got to be... I don't
0: think I knew that. You didn't know that?
1: Amy's much cooler. So at wow. another time, you should talk to Amy. Yes. Sure. And I was making cereal for her Um, after she would get off stage in Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, Calgary. I'm making sure she's taken care of after she gets off stage. And that was our dream. That was actually the crazy thing. Our dream, she met me. We were both dreamers. We are both yeah. dreamers. Uh-huh. Like, Brian, I want us to travel together. This is also my dream too. Like I wanted to travel together. I wanted to experience life together in a way that like probably only wealthy people do and we were not wealthy. We were just like, we want to live and enjoy Mm -hmm. life together. And so we did that. Started a couple companies. Nothing really took off. I found my way into philanthropy. Mm -hmm. Worked in philanthropy for a number of years at Chan Zuckerberg Initiative and at Emerson. And then I left in the last couple of years in the middle of the pandemic to continue building a company and and um and launch a fund.
0: Incredible. And you can go as deep into all of that as you'd like, but Champion was born right in the midst of this. He's almost 4. So when was it? Right when you were transitioning out of Emerson?
1: So, it was actually I'm under some NDAs, mm-hmm. so I can't tell uh yes. all of the all the the uh, T. The However, <laughs> uh partially what was happening, I lost like I found out Amy was pregnant. We were pregnant. And some period along that timeline, uh-huh. I found out that I lost my job. Oh man. I was invited. I've been listening to uh, to Despicable Me Three every morning.
0: Uh huh. Uh-huh. That's that's, how... that's the one. That's the one in your household. We're a sing yeah. two family.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so it's always a thing and so jam wants to once he wants, wants to hear that every day and essentially one of the characters gets um invited no longer to work there <laughs> and so uh-huh. that's what happened to me right in the middle of pregnancy in the middle wow. of mid midwifery appointments planning and you know there's a severance package but like that's sort of when i found out um so um at emerson is when um when Champ was, was born.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then you decided, you know, there's... And we were talking about this a little bit before. There is, at least I feel this way, a portal. Like, truly, there is a portal that you go through between your life before children and after uh, children. Uh. And something deeply transformative... Not just in your external life, of course, like all of a sudden you have a child in your space and like you have to reorient everything externally, but also absolutely in your internal world. And so for me, when after I had Ajna is when my book came into my consciousness. Uh, When I had Ahan on maternity leave is when corner office breakdowns came into my consciousness. So how did having Champ then... Change your perspective as you entered a more entrepreneurial era of your life?
1: Having champion was equal parts centering and decentering.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> so the centering was it is very clear what matters now. Yeah. Amy matters, champion matters, mm. family matters, our health matters. Yes. I have to say that again, health <laughs> matters so much. So like, yes,
0: health, you know, matters. Bre-
1: breathing matters, right? So like mm-hmm. I can, I, I remember, you know, the anxiety that I felt as a father because Champion wasn't sort of, he didn't sort of, when he was born, he wasn't crying. So he, yeah. we were concerned about his breathing. And so he stayed in the NICU for a bit. And so when he's back in the room with us, I'm listening for his breath.
0: Yeah,
1: and I've not stopped listening for his breath. Well.
0: Oh. So
1: internal sort of shift, but centering of what matters, mm. decentering extraneous things, things that don't matter,
0: Ooh, things that are
1: performative, things where part part of my personality was to do things for other people's benefit, to give maybe too much of myself, to care about whether people. Liked my work, liked me who I was. Oh yeah, and so I think these ran into each other of understanding what is important, what is not important, uh-huh. and it gave me a boldness. Can I use profanity on this? Of B- course please you please can. Please. can. Of course. Oh, you that's can. great.
0: We exactly. we just decided we're going to have an explicit side <laughs> because <laughs> I can't not not use profanity. So please go ahead.
1: Great, you better drop something open up the gates. (laughs) So I don't give a fuck about what people thought of me. Yeah. I now really want to pursue purpose. Mm. And so Champion was was that like when you're I'm writing the Instagram post of like what his name means, why he's named that, why I'm sharing it with people. I'm like, oh so that that was sort of the rush
0: Mm.
1: of purpose of clarity for me, confidence around, I have a path, I uh-huh. need to be on it. Yeah. And that that was the impact.
0: And how is, how was this period of your life? Like when you were first, I mean, you're probably still transitioning into fatherhood. You have a four-year-old. Like, it's not like you were like, have eons of experience with this. What was your understanding of or your expectation of fatherhood before you entered the portal? <laughs> <laughs> and now, like, what is your understanding of the role of a father and and the role of like a working parent?
1: So before and after I felt before, to be honest with you, I'm one of those people. I didn't spend a ton of time. Like some people read a thousand books. Yeah. I didn't do that.
0: Did you know you wanted to have kids? I did. Okay.
1: Okay. F- for sure. I, w- yeah. I wanted to have kids. I wanted to have a family with Amy. That was mm-hmm. very clear. The number was sort of, yep. you know, I'm open. And I just knew that before the portal, Uh huh. I knew that I wanted to continue to build on what my parents had given me. So, my expectations were, you know, number one, I was expecting as a father to provide and to protect because that's Tracy. Yes. That's my dad. And he was dedicated to that, committed to that, and he did it. He was my hero motorcycles, basketball. He would coach Aww. all that, right? Beautiful. Yes. Sharon, my mom, we would have conversations every Saturday morning over pancakes. We would cook together. Yeah she would introduce religion and spirituality and prayer to me.
0: Mm.
1: We would pray together. Oh. If I disappointed her, she would, you know, and or I disappointed myself, we would have moments where we would cry together or oh. she would express how she felt to me. So my expectation of fatherhood for me personally mm. was a hybrid of those two things. I wanted yes. a deeply emotional, connected uh. relationship with my child. And I also wanted to show up in a way that both my parents showed up for me where I I didn't feel like, you know, I didn't want Champion ever to, you know, have to need for anything. Yeah. And the same thing for, for Amy is that she, you know, has a present father in her life, but her parents were not together. So, you know, she was primarily in a house with a single mother. Uh-huh. And so it was really important for me. And that's really important because a lot of times people talk about their individual journeys of being a father or being a mother or what family means, but it's these other sort of,
0: Elements Absolutely. in the constellation
1: that impact how you feel about the role. And so for me, in some ways, I was thinking about it's like the, the journey of the of the hero, the hero's journey. Yes,
0: of yes, like,
1: yeah. I feel like a, there was a lot on my, my shoulders, but I didn't the reason probably I, I didn't read too much about it is because I didn't want to overthink yeah. this massive role that would be important to champion, important to me, important to Amy and to our entire families. What I really wanted to be was to be present. And so yeah. after the portal, I feel yeah. like being a father is actually about being present, which there's a difference between presence and perfection. Yes, absolutely. And so the role that I've played, I I, I would hope, is sort of that mix of mm. protector, provider, but then also deeply present, emotionally connected with champion, in ways that he can feel that help him that helps him regulate his emotions that helps him know that he has, he can feel safe with me and Amy feel safe with me yeah. and he can tell us anything.
0: Yeah. Oh, beautiful. That was so beautiful to hear. And again, like this is the first time we're having a conversation like this about who we've become. And it's Mm. just, it's so heartening. To see you and hear you in this moment
1: in your life. oh! Mm. I should say, though, that like, like teachers, (laughs) I feel like the some of this stuff I had to opt into. And by being by being in some ways, both having to. I'm not an expert on this, but when you talk about masculine and feminine energy. Yes. Having to embody, (laughs) you know, sort of both. yes. And also now thinking about because we know each other through the role of of work, women for so long have never gotten extra money for being amazing and hero outside of work. Uh You just have to come into work and then obviously not get paid (laughs) what it's worth. And so as a father, I've also sort of had to grapple with the fact that you just said that was so amazing. And that's a lot of emotional, spiritual, physical energy that I expend outside of work. Uh-huh. And the fact that there aren't supports, there isn't real compensation, real reward, safety in showing up outside of work. You just sort of have to come in and play as if you're not doing all those other things. Yeah. Um makes me have a healthy respect me personally for my parents for sure. Yeah. Specifically for my mother, for my grandma, you know. And so I just wanted to say that is that yeah when you say like, Oh, that, like, that's amazing. I believe it is. And Mm -hmm. I'm also cognizant and aware that women have been doing this for a long time, which sort of makes me a big advocate for one, women should get everything they need. And also fathers should also have the support that they need so that we can continue to show up for kids and for one another.
0: Exactly. And, you know, it was funny because even as I was thinking about this conversation, I think and speak and write a lot about motherhood. It is one of the strongest lenses of interpretation I have for my life. I see everything through that lens before any other lens. Mm. And I don't know if it's an and or a but or an or and a yes and or whatever, but that doesn't mean we don't talk about fatherhood. These are not mutually exclusive things spending time and effort and energy and consideration on one does not detract from the other. (laughs) And I have felt very supported in my journey. Of course, there have been really hard moments um, along the way with miscarriage and mistreatment through, you know, the medical system and all sorts of shit, (laughs) truly shit. And, you know, I've still had people see me and understand, oh, she's been through some stuff. And I just, I've been there with my husband, like looking at him in his eyes every day as he goes back to work without much parental leave at all, as he does everything around the house, because I'm laid up in bed for months as I go through severe postpartum depression and all he wants is for me to feel better. All he wants is to take care of us. All he wants is to make sure the kids are okay. But also where is his space to feel or grieve or adapt? And that doesn't mean I don't deserve the space I'm getting. And I don't deserve his support and his attention and his love. I do. But he deserves some love too. (laughs) And I was very much and have been very much unable to give that sort of support back to him. And so that has left me wondering, like, where do dads get their support? And there was this amazing article um that kyle block from gradient metrics <laughs> we, we're like both smiling I know, and nodding yeah, we're like, yeah. Yeah. I know kyle. yes um called new dads you good that he sent <laughs> me because um again like him and i talk a lot about parenthood and he's always like what kind of data can we pull to like have these conversations be more rooted in fact and figures. And so um, he's going to become a recurring figure as, as we move on together. But there is so much interesting stuff in this piece. And I just want to read one, one passage, which says, I've been wondering lately about the good guys and how they're doing. I see these new dads in my neighborhood on Saturday mornings, babies strapped to their chore coats as they trudge blearily around coffee in hand, giving their partners a precious hour during which to shower and share a few memes with their friends. They look vulnerable. These new dads, they look adrift, they look proud and committed and like they haven't gotten laid in months. (laughs) They look ashamed for wanting to get laid and annoyed that they feel ashamed. And, you know, it's just, you know,
1: We need some data around that.
0: We do. (laughs) But it's so interesting. The laid rate. (laughs) The laid rate. Oh, that data. I don't know about that data. I don't know if I can
1: share it. (laughs) Because this is a space of It's got to be anonymous. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is anonymous laid rates. And by Uh, the way, it might be better than the single folks. So maybe maybe it might end up where we can flex, you know? Yes. But anyway. But, we'll come really,
0: back to that, but but the point that the writer makes is, he says, I, I do know for sure that male loneliness is a great crisis of our age mm. and that no one wants to deal with it. Women bulk at the idea that it's their problem. I disagree. Men shrug their shoulders and turn inward. But the whole question of whose problem it is doesn't sit well, right? It's not about that. It's not about that but it would be a grave concern to me if my sons grew up to be lonely men. It devastates me to think of men in my community feeling isolated, and I don't think this makes me a pathetic mark of hetero male neediness. It seems to me that the mother's grievances are being aired to a historically unprecedented extent, while dads are not necessarily experiencing the same kind of collective catharsis. Dads with all the way open third eyes know better than to complain, but everyone deserves to be heard. Right. And, ooh, I mean, this hit me so hard because I have seen my partner experience this. And I just want to ask you, Brian, as somebody who is a connector, as somebody who has prioritized relationships in your life, what did support look like for you? And what does support look like for you as a father who is going through this immense transitional moment in your life?
1: I can tell you what support hasn't looked like. <clears throat> yeah, it's so funny. Let's I wouldn't even there. say who this is. This is someone I okay. love dearly. This person told me, um, and it's actually, it wasn't because it was the reason I'm sharing this is not because it was bad advice, it was likely because it was this person's experience. This person told me Brian it's not about you in so many words you could sort of not be present it's totally fine because all the kid wants is the mom yeah so like it's all good you're gonna feel guilt no matter what happens you're gonna feel guilty <laughs> so you might as well lean into work oh, my um goodness. I didn't feel supported then because for me it was important to be present and to show up for Amy for champion for myself. What support has looked like has been this aggregation and collection of little things at moments where I felt like things were not in my control or I didn't have answers or I just needed someone to talk to. Yeah. What that looked like for us was <clears throat> a really difficult period where I had a paternity leave of, you know, a certain period of time. I had to get back to work. Yeah. Got back to work. And we had friends who came by with a meal who stopped by and checked on Amy and Champ when I was out of town. I had to fly. Yeah. Support looked like being able to talk to my parents. Now, talking to my parents, it was a different time. It was not the pandemic. It was like there a lot of extraneous factors that made this a unique time. But having someone to sort of elders to be able to go to and yes. say, was I like this? Yeah. And also to appreciate them for the lack of sleep or, you know, whatever we were experiencing. Yeah. Support has also, and I'm thinking present day, I'm thinking literally like yesterday, we have this this group uh, amongst dads at Suzuki. Suzuki is our local uh, Montessori school here in Atlanta.
0: Uh-huh.
1: So we have this dad group from my kids' Montessori school, which is called Suzuki. Shout out uh-huh. to Suzuki. <laughs> and the group is called Only Fathers. Uh-huh. And we have an Only Fathers group. Just yesterday, we got together over lunch and, you know, not to make it somber, but we were talking about Nashville, talking yeah. about our fears and concerns. And, you know, for some of us, does it make sense to hop to Canada <laughs> or, you know, oh, what yeah. are the options real given? Yeah. So, um, so those spaces have been um in moments, it's really moments and spaces that I have felt support whether it be friends just checking in on us, giving us some food. Um, and that's really for maybe the family.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: my parents, which it's good, it's guidance. And then I think it's small, you know, when, when we can, we all are able to prioritize it. Groups of guys, we get together and we talk about it. But <clears throat> in between then, um, it's there's not a lot of support. And frankly, you know, the... The archetype and the, um, you know, what we've been, I felt, enculturated to do is to be tough, to stick it out, and to bury whatever challenges I've had so that I can support, you know, a toddler who's screaming at the top of his lungs.
0: Yes, and listening to (laughs) Despicable Me 3 music. It's so interesting, right, because... I noticed the same thing. And I think you caught it too. Like the first place your mind went with support was support for your family, Mm. not support for yourself, which I think is very much a thing. Um, that a lot of people, mothers and fathers experiences very quickly. Life is so much less about you and so much more about the unit. Um, the that interesting article I, I referenced earlier. New Dads, you good. <laughs> <laughs> it cracks me up. Talks about how a lot of times when the dads get together, they actually decenter, if you will, their parental identity and recenter their original. Identities, I guess that's not a great way to say it, but like, you know, they, they default to topics that are light sports, movies, joking, bullshit, gossip, gossip is probably not, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but it's, it's amazing to hear that you and your um, group of dads from the school did talk about Nashville Because, again, you know, when things like that happen, moms are texting each other immediately. Like, we hear about it and we're texting each other immediately. And we feel, we don't feel alone um, in the face of these tragedies and in the face of things like Roe v. Wade and... There there's a deep sense of like we do have to hold each other. And Mm. that has been one of the most beautiful aspects of the last few years for me is just the depth of care we women give give each other
1: in these moments in our lives. Um, Can I add one one thing on this topic? Yeah. Two things. One is I think it's really important for everyone to realize that I think the DNA makeup. Of a lot of new fathers. I don't have data on this. Yes. It's very different than the fathers that we all had. Mm. Shout out to the fa- our fathers. Yes. This is a very new generation. And I feel like the new generation of fathers, I'm seeing a lot of different types of energy. Okay. Say I'm seeing more. us show up, you know, with sort of the things that you would just traditionally, like I literally had a brunch at my crib. Mm-hmm. And and then one of the fathers that was there you know, it sort of became this conversation of like, well, you know, it was sort of this this competitive thing of like, well, dads don't have to deal with X and Y and Z. And, you know, and of course, yeah, I think as you mentioned, or maybe there's the article mentioned, mm-hmm. that's a trap. It is <laughs> so a father, trap. We're not going to jump into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because every, all, all the stuff that women sort of and mothers deserve, they should get that times a thousand. So, like, that is not even, that's not the conversation. Yes. It is more of that there are dads who are changing every diaper, who are doing all the wake-ups, all the drop-offs, all of the put-to-sleep, all the help regulation of emotion, Mm -hmm. all of the cleaning, all of the cooking, all of the emotional support. And I also know single dads. I also know, like, dads who've done, you know, sort of having two kids out of, shout out to D-Wash. in out of surrogacy so single oh, father two kids wow. mm-hmm. because he wanted to like um, in some ways I imagine heal some of what ha- has happened in his own life and his relationship with his father so mm-hmm. so I just want to shout out that like there is a new not every you know I can't speak to everyone but I, I just know that they're deeply feeling deeply caring yes. showing up dads and yes. like they deserve love and I want to create space for me to say we see you uh, because this is one of those spaces, right? Like, so when you said, "like Hey, where are we getting support?" This episode, this moment, you um, as the host and as a creator have created space for you know for us to be seen. So, thank you for that. So that's that's one thing. I think number two is I think part of this for me, I'm um, there's a hypersensitivity that I have born with, deeply mm-hmm. feeling. There are pros and cons to that. I think it's also important to know that I know I I don't know if I've always felt safe to be able to share how I felt because I know that there is emotional labor required to just listen to it. Mm-hmm. So for example, the reason why I may not hit up the only fathers text to be like yo, I'm stressed about, I'm sad about, I'm depressed about is in some ways, my role has been to carry and to hold. And one thing that was very apparent to me when I became a father was that I'm I'm holding Amy mm-hmm. after, you know, wanting to do home birth and we had to do C-section. And, you know, just it was it was traumatic,
0: yeah. traumatic. And yeah. I'm there
1: with her. Right. And so I'm going through it with her, wanting to be strong for her. Yes. And then you have a child who was like, what the fuck is this earth? Yeah. Exactly. I'm used to being warm and cozy, and you know, mama's pumping gallons of milk, taxing oh. her body. It's wild. It's wild. And so I'm feeling like I need to be, I need to be Tracy. I need to be strong. I need to be like, like because somebody's got to hold it together. And then if I got a text, just like being real, if another dude hit me up, was like, yeah, man, I'm mad, whatever, <laughs> you know, like yeah. whatever his emotions are. I would look at the text and I would also like transition. And maybe that's me being a new Mm. dad, but I don't have the space for someone else at all times to emote to me because part of my disposition is to fucking solve the problem. So it's like, all right, kid is crying. You know, wife can't get out of bed, can't pee, poop in the whatever. It's like, all right, let me make this happen so that everything doesn't fall apart and we can pay our bills. Yes. So so I think it's it's important and I imagine, you know, regardless of your gender, people feel this. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes it's helpful like I would love space, but sometimes it's not always you don't always have the space because you're trying to keep the tires on the car.
0: <laughs> yeah. And that's that's the crux of this entire thing. <clears throat> that's the crux. I feel like we're both probably have some disgusting daycare school <laughs> illness. Um That is the crux of this entire, entire, entire thing Mm -hmm. is there is a bifurcation in the types of care, a mother and a father. And, you know, we're using these terms that we're talking about the most common family structure, but it it extends far beyond that. Yes. There's a bifurcation between what the birthing parent and the supporting parent, how they care, right? Right. For the birthing parent, care is, again, a very bodily, nutrition-based, keep this being alive. And for the supporting parent, it is, keep this family structure okay. (laughs) And those are very different types of caretaking that need to be done. And what is not usually addressed is the emotional caretaking, because yes, the woman is experiencing or the, the birthing parent is experiencing all of this physical pain. The, the mental stuff, like you almost can't even get to until the physical stuff has resolved because that is such an embodied experience. But the the sort of care the, the supporting parent provides is the care of compartmentalization is the care of I can't take up any emotional bandwidth in this family right now is the care of like shut down be the solid um uh, presence at every moment of every day and do everything so that the other person can heal and I have such a deep appreciation for that like I look at my Husband, sometimes, and I'm like, thank God for this person. He is a beautiful, like, emotionally sound, deeply empathetic human being who carries a- an immense load too. You know, and like, yes, it may not affect his pay. It may not affect how he's seen in the workplace. You know, women take on a lot of the brunt of how the external world changes its response to her after birth. Men don't deal with that as much. Yes, acknowledged. But the internal experience of being a father is transformative. Mm -hmm. And so if you just put the external world outside if you will for a minute everyone still needs their internal world to be tended to and I think Mm -hmm. that is the support that I'm hoping for for the guys in the equation or the supporting parents Mm -hmm. in the equation because I haven't seen that exist in the ways Mm -hmm. that I feel like it could especially with people like you and Abby and all of the other incredible dads I know, because you're right. This is a new generation and it's unprecedented how you guys are fathering is, is new and how we're yeah. mothering is new. Like I don't have the examples and paradigms of working motherhood that I need to navigate being the chief strategy officer of a company and a mom of two kids. I don't know. I'm I'm doing it blind and i'm relying on friends but you you all are experiencing and navigating being these deeply emotional co-parents in an unprecedented way too
1: for sure can i tell you a quick story my yes. neighbor and this is just an example of why we need to reimagine and continue to reimagining and creating new structures supporting structures to your point emotionally Yes. Um, but also culturally. Right. Because I think we need the systems there so that they pervade the culture so that that it, it creates space to yes. be vulnerable or to people to get what they need. Yes. My neighbor <clears throat> tells me he was upset, vulnerable. Mm-hmm. He's a now new dad of two kids. Yeah. And he said, Brian, <clears throat> I went to my boss, happened to be uh, a person who identified as a woman. And he's like, I need, and I forget exactly what happened, yeah. but it was an emergency. Yeah. Emergency happened. Um, I need time to sort of go and tend to my 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 kid or to my family. Yeah. Boss responds, this job is not designed for you to be able. If you want to be successful here, it's not for you to be like a dad. In so many words. I, I and I can't life. tell you how upset I was how um because I I think there's um I think some a lot of us, a lot of men, and I don't know if I put myself in this bucket. <clears throat> but some of us are actually asking for help. Yeah. And some of it is at work like hey I, d- I need an extra an hour. I need to be able and and some of us like and I'm in a flexible as an entrepreneur in some yeah. ways this is why <laughs> yeah because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yes. but i think a lot of people are 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 asking for help and i think it requires different types of listening mechanisms mm. so that it's either structure so that everybody gets it and whatever but even then you need dynamic listening so that when people are asking for help and that's that's you know birthing parent that's women you know across the spectrum we need ways of of listening hearing empathizing um to allow people to you know to at least ask for what they need um, because i think being able to ask <clears throat> actually allows people to give the answer given the answer may be yes no or maybe but in certain cases if the answer is really no it actually gives great data back for whether this is this job this space this culture is the right or this team is the right one for me
0: yes and is this the right sort of ethical equitable structure that is going to work in the future because we, people like us, are fucking creating it. And so this story should make everyone who is listening to this think, if I ever have the ability to, or if I ever have the opportunity to be a leader, to have the the immense responsibility of making decisions on other human beings behalfs Like, first of all, take that fucking seriously. That is an immense responsibility of leadership. How can I change my perspective? How can I force change in my workplaces? How can I build companies that have a different DNA at their core so that listening asking you know is part of the practice of the company because that's just inappropriate in my opinion
1: for sure um thank you for for creating space for me to share that but I was it was one of those things that popped in my mind I was like I can't believe she said that to him and it's also like at the same he'll go across the street or the next week or you know whatever it is and be like you know dude you got to show up yeah (laughs) that's like is also probably in his head he's like he may not even and, and the guy you know and we may not we may not even say anything because we're tired and it's yeah. like i don't have time to like advocate for all the fathers or whatever i'm so tired i'm just gonna go home but because we have these platforms to be able to these spaces to be able to say like i think quietly um and that's to me the big aha of parenthood is that you actually just at the human level People are going through shit that you actually have no fucking clue. Yeah. Whether you're a parent, whether you're just an individual, like people are like dealing with sickness. Like you're like, yeah, got something from And you literally have no clue. Yeah. Like I think I saw a kid outside of Suzuki (laughs) yesterday and I saw a throw up on the ground. And then the mom's like, Brian, we're supposed to meet. And mom gets out the car and she's like, Brian, I'm going to be like 30 minutes late because, you know, there's a 24 hour, 40 hour bug going around. And I'm like, you only have grace with me. Yes. Like, you don't even have to. It's fine. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna hang out yes. outside and I'll wait for you because this is like you're dealing with a kid. And she, like, and then she got home and she threw up on the couch. I'm just like, oh, <laughs> God. I would have never thought this was possible, Amica. I didn't know I people know. were going through this. Yes,
0: <laughs> I know. I know. And then to be like, then to have to go to work, pretend like everything's okay, and have somebody be like, you can't why show there... up like this.
1: Oh, why do you have to throw up on your shirt? <laughs> oh, man. Well that's why the mom showed up to to tea and she was like she's like I got you like I just changed my shirt. <laughs> oh. I was like you got stripes. It's literally oh. a polo Ralph Lauren with stripes. I'm like you got stripes Monica. You good.
0: <laughs> oh. There is so much work to be done. And I think sometimes I feel overwhelmed by it all the time and mm. <clears throat> you know this this conversations like this are the only way I can even start to rest and digest all of the work that needs to be done versus panic about it
1: Mm,
0: mm. um and I just I hope even little things like this exactly to what you said Brian like start to help people feel supported because supported people are the ones who can create change we cannot create change from a place of exhaustion and Oof. lack of understanding and burnout and sickness and hate
1: of course so, can you say that can you say that again that was so powerful we cannot create change, change from a place of
0: exhaustion Gosh. and sickness and burnout and hate and fear so much fear mm. I'm terrified every day dropping my kid to school, like doing something that requires an hour of dedicated attention. Cause I'm like, what if something happens that I need my phone? Like, yes, we need, we need to be enlivened and energized and taken care of to do the important work that our generation needs to do. And so I hope this provided a little support. I hope maybe this prompts people to think about creating support systems in different ways. And I just want all the cool dads to be friends. Yeah, <laughs> and Yes. Be like, Hey dude, do you have the capacity for me to vent for a second? Like always, I mean, that is best practice and friendship. Always ask if your friend has capacity before you unleash the sorrows. Um, But yeah, I just I want everyone to be taken care of. I don't think care should be reserved for any one group. Mm -hmm. I don't think we should be stacking our pain or um, our how society is is shortchanging us against each other. Mm. Let's just all work together to make it better for all of us in whatever ways we can.
1: Yeah, I love that. i in the midst of overwhelm and so many different <clears throat> facets of this systemic problem and issue. The hard part I think is, is starting. And so uh corner office breakdowns to me feels like a, an incredible place. It just so happens that I'm in a corner office. Of course you are. Breaking down Ambika with you. Um, But, um, but yeah, thank you for this work. I mean, I, you know, I, what I <clears throat> found to be true. And the reason why I asked you to repeat it is because I've spent some time working with activists, yeah, people who um, on the front lines of black lives matter movement on the um, people who were leaders in the love equality movement and just listening to them. And that was sort of a, that was an insight that I heard very early on was that you can't create change you know from a place of exhaustion i love sort of the story of even as artists right coming back to even some of your work however you see it whether it be ministry or whether it be through social change or from artistry um, but you know miles davis Mm. you know he created music when he wasn't starving the art was magical Right. Um, and so we're so used to work and, you know, through this lens and portal of grind yes. um, and life is already hard. It is. Um, but if we can sort of create these spaces for healing, rejuvenation, um, holistic conversations that are multifaceted and systems of care that are dynamic, mm-hmm. where people are getting what they need um, when they need it. Yes. I think that is um, a, a starting point. So however you think of this work, this is real work, Ambika. Um, it is powerful work. Uh, even through this conversation, I feel seen. Um, part of my job every day is to connect, as you mentioned, but also to give people their flowers. So want to give you your flowers for, um, yeah, for, for doing this, for creating these spaces, for using, leveraging your influence, your platforms um, to help other people feel seen and cared for.
0: Thank you so much, Brian. And I know you do the same. So you can catch us on Brian's
1: podcast next time. <laughs> yes, will you join Amy me? There? Will you yes, will you join? Oh my gosh. Yes, course. that is it's gonna be so good.
0: I'm so excited. And I'm so excited to talk to Amy too. You're cool, of course. Love you, but I cannot wait to talk to Amy too.
1: <laughs> she's so she's so lit. <laughs> Hope she's listening. Amy, you lit.
0: Oh yeah professions of love (laughs) um brian i cannot tell you how much i respect and admire and appreciate you in general and i cannot tell you how grateful i am that you joined me today thank you for making the time in your busy life and i'm so grateful